So. You should have seen the sweating off of Paul's forehead. <laughs> he, he says, I'm never going to drive in Rome again. Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Travel Alert. I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. And this week, Paul, we've got 10 things that you need to be aware of before you rent a car in Europe. I just got back from a trip where I rented a car in Rome and took it out for a week. And I thought, boy, you know, there's a lot of things that people need to know about renting a car in Europe compared to renting a car in the U.S. It is very different. It's like an apple and an orange. And today we're going to cover those from 1 to 10. We'd like to thank Executive Travels, the sponsor of this program. Uh, I'm the uh, chairman of the board. You're the CEO. And uh, we've been doing these broadcasts now for about three or four months, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, And it's been a lot well. of fun. The first headline in this week's Weekly Travel Alert reads, 10 critical things you need to know to navigate a car rental in Europe. Number one, get an international driver's license. Most people don't realize that in Europe they require an international. Most countries Some countries do. In Italy it's a requirement. In other countries it's not necessarily a requirement. And it's really simple to do. So it's not something that uh, that you, you, you shouldn't do. You shouldn't neglect it. Just because if something does go awry, if you don't have it, then that's going to that's gonna cause for more problems than what you're already going to deal with, especially when you've got language barriers and all those other things going on. You know, it's I think it's 20 bucks and it's just a little bit of a hassle. you got to go to a motor club and, and have uh, photographs taken and and pasted into this little booklet. Now, here's the irony. Italy requires it, but when you go to the rental counter, they don't even ask for it. They don't it. look for it. They actually <laughs> ask for your U.S. driver's, driver's license, license, right, and then a credit card. So with that, we, we tell people, you know, you, you may not have to present it, but you need to have it, especially if you get a traffic citation or an accident. Then if you don't have it, they're going to fine you for it. So number one, get that permit. Number two, there are minimum age requirements. Most people don't realize that car rental companies have a 21-year-old minimum age Domestically, a lot of them have it at 25. So yeah. actually, it's a little bit lower in Europe, as is with many other things. Um, but yeah, it's something where you can't be a, a teenager and get over there. We get a lot of teenagers that will go over and do school programs, and they'll be over there for a month, and they don't have access to, to renting a car to, to get out and explore, which is you know, why the train systems and other yeah. transportation opportunities in Europe are, are so prevalent and useful. Yeah, and if you're basically under that age, you need to be training it or busing it, you bet. With that, number three, the third headline of this week's Weekly Traveler reads, get ready to be flim-flammed by the counter agent. Now, let me explain this. I got this reservation. I go to the, the counter. I say, I'm ready to rent my car. She looks at me and she says, you're a pretty big fella. Do you think you'll fit in this? And I said, well, I, I got an SUV with it says it's five seats and four pieces of luggage. And she says, well, I think you need to get a bigger vehicle. She shows me this vehicle. I said, okay, let's do that. She puts up together the price. It was $400 more expensive wow. than what I have. Now, here's to add uh, insult to injury. So I said, no, I'm not going to spend that much money. I'm going to go with what I've got. I go out and to get in what I was going to get into originally, and I got a Jeep. It was a good-sized Jeep. I fit in it well. I looked at what she tried to sell me. It was smaller. Smaller. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I thought, 
this is a flim flam. <laughs> so, but you got to be really careful because what they do is they, they get paid to, to try to get the upgrade out of you. And they're going to do that in many different ways. But one, So be very careful and be cautious of the size of vehicle because you're going to be surprised. The size of vehicles in, in Italy or Europe are a lot smaller, smaller than the U.S., yeah. especially the trunk. So that's number three in this week's uh, Weekly Traveler. Number four, Paul, and this is one that people don't think much about. Insurance is very expensive on car rentals in Europe. And your insurance back here usually doesn't cover that like sometimes it does in the States. So the headline reads, insurance is very expensive. And you're going to have to spend 25, 40, 50 euros a day for that insurance. Now, some credit cards have primary coverage. So like I have a Chase uh, Reserve. Sapphire. Sapphire yep. Reserve card that has primary coverage and, um, and secondary coverage as well. Now, I also tried to rent it on Amex, and it doesn't cover it in Italy. So I was really surprised. But what I did is self-insure because there's a $1,500 um, deductible. deductible. So I just said, hey, I'm covered with this card. I'm not going to spend $500 extra, $350 extra for this insurance. I'll take that self-insurance if, it, if it's uh, done. And also, if you do that insurance in advance, sometimes it's a lot cheaper than buying it at the counter. And I think a key to that would be knowing what you're going to be utilizing the vehicle for. You know, I think our experience has been when you're out exploring the countryside in Europe, driving is very similar to what it is here in the States. It's when you try to go city center, then they're very aggressive in how they drive in Europe. So so if you're going to be out countryside, then you shouldn't have any issues. Um, uh, but yeah, if you're going to go in that city... It's you're going to have some some tight driving situations. Yeah, for very sure. very tight. Number five in this week's weekly travel alert reads: Beware of tiny trunks to hold your luggage. Paul, people don't realize they they go to Europe. They they have a big old hunkin' checked on piece of luggage, and then they have a carry on. These trunks, if there's four people in a car, they will hold four. Okay, carry ons, not mm -hmm. luggage. Mm -hmm. I mean. So you're not going to fit that luggage in a four-passenger car. Mm -hmm. It just will not work because the trunks are at least half the size of American trunks. I know when we were there with three of us, and we had a, a full-size car, and it was still tiny, um, and we pretty much all had carry-ons, I believe. It was it was tough, and we had a hatchback. So you know, even if you have a hatchback that's going to have a larger-than-standard trunk, it can be very tight. Yeah, so if you're going to travel to Italy, you better travel light because uh, – you're not going to fit all that luggage in that car. Number six in this week's uh, Weekly Traveler, the headline reads as follows. Most of the cars have manual transmissions. Now, I grew up on the farm. Okay, we're used to tractors with manual transmissions, old trucks with manual transmissions. But you city slickers, you may not. Have, of course, you grew up it's been state. It's been a while, but I've had multiple manual transmissions, and, and they're fun. But I wouldn't want to relearn it in a country that I'm, don't understand the signs on the side of the road, right. especially if you're going to a country where you're going to be driving on the opposite side of the road because it's going to be reversed as well. So a lot of things to consider. I'm I'm what I'm booked uh, for next month in Europe, and I'm I'm going to go double check now to make sure that she's got a, a uh, automatic transmission for me because yeah, that's something that's definitely worth paying more just just due to that. It's you've traveled. 
you've, you know, you're 15 hours into a trip at that point, you're tired, you're trying to figure out how do you get to your bed as quickly as possible. Now all of a sudden I'm in an unfamiliar car, which, you know, I just had a rental car this last week and I was two days into it before I figured out where all the buttons were that I needed. So to do that in a foreign country as well, yeah. not something I want to deal with. The bells and whistles. And, you know, think of your blood pressure when you come to a red light on an uphill incline <laughs> and a hill in Italy, uh-huh. and you're in a manual transmission and you've never done it before, you may just have a heart attack. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Not for me. Okay. So uh, make sure you get an automatic transmission if you're an American going to Europe and traveling there. It'll, it'll make life a lot easier for you. <laughs> Number seven, and this week's weekly traveler reads, use the car GPS. And let me tell you what I found uh, out this this last week is the, the car GPSs have European GPS uh, mentality. Where does that p- play a role? For example, on all the expressways, they have cameras that take your picture if you're speeding. So, And they show up on these GPSs. They're TomTom Goes and stuff that... Uh, has all the European cameras listed and warns you. So it comes on and it starts screaming at you, slow down, uh, you're coming on a camera. Uh, I remember one trip to Italy. I got back and a month later, I got three speeding <laughs> tickets. I didn't even know what had happened to me, but I kept seeing these little cameras up on the top and sure enough, they must have gotcha. ca- caught me. But <laughs> This this trip, it really, I bet I went through uh, 30 different cameras Whoa. that uh, if I didn't have that GPS in the car that I was using, I probably wouldn't have known they were there. So was that built into the car or did you actually rent a piece of equipment? No, it was built that? into okay. the car. And I think more and more car rental companies are building that in as part of the process. They used to charge for that. That's what I was, was, was trying to get to. You know, I even noticed here this last weekend domestically is when we plugged in uh, GPS from our phones, there were warnings like that as far as speed traps uh, ahead and things like that that we didn't get from the car. So I think that's something where you got to recognize sometimes you're going to get different things from different apps and things that you're using. So it's nice that that is built into the navigation system of the rental cars over there. You bet. Number eight, the headline of this week's Weekly Traveler reads, Have plenty of euros for toll roads. One of the things you're going to see in Europe is most of the toll road, most of the roads are tolls, and that's how they pay for their new roads is they're going to charge you for that toll. So it's nice to have some five euro, ten euro, twenty euro bills as well as some coinage that you can throw in those baskets. You hate to get pull up there, and and they do take credit cards, but you hate to have that line of the twenty line backs people up behind pretty quick, you. Yeah. yeah, just really upset at you. So. Always make sure you have some extra euros and, and coins if possible for those toll tolls along the way. And I think, uh, you know, that's either something that you want to prep for. You know, what I do is I just keep my excess when I come back from a trip so that I've got that that I can take with me. I'll, your local bank, a lot of times, if you've got three or four days of notice, they can order in some of that for you euros, so yeah. that you've got that so you don't have to figure that out when you get someplace. And again, you've got a language barrier. So something quick and easy, but something you just have to prepare for. Number nine in this week's Weekly Traveler reads, finding a parking space in large cities is much harder than in the States. I mean, they may have parking for your hotel that's three blocks away. And what I found myself, I I know I'm probably lazy, 
but the valet at the hotel in Perugia was 20 euros a night. I didn't have to worry. I could pull right up to the front door. I, you know, I'm going to tip somebody anyway uh, to do to do the luggage and all that stuff. So I just found myself just trying doing the, the valet, and then I didn't worry about where the parking lot. Because if I had to go find a parking lot, it probably would have taken me a half hour to do that. So my time was worth some money. I said, I'm going to valet. I'm glad you finally learned this. I go back to last June when we were over in Europe and we're in downtown Rome trying to find a place to park so we can get on the hop on, hop off bus. Yeah. We've got Jennifer in the back seat. I'm driving and you just keep <laughs> telling me, go this way, go that way. Now, next time, yeah. we're going to leave the car outside. We're going to Uber into downtown That's Rome and it. call it good. So You should have seen the sweat beating <laughs> off of Paul's forehead. <laughs> he, he says, I'm never going to drive in Rome again. We This is, of course, this is when the – this is the, the time in Rome when every street is full, every June, sidewalk yes. is full, everything is full. It's crazy busy in Rome. In well, I, I found if you drive the wrong way up a street, then you can, can get where you want to get. So <laughs> that's a trick that I wouldn't advise everybody to do, but it worked for me until I realized I was going the wrong way. Well, that relates to uh, <laughs> headline number 10 in this week's Weekly Traveler. It says, beware of restricted travel zones. And what you're going to find in Italy is there's a lot of areas that are for pedestrian only. A lot of them are one way. And a lot of them are in these old wall cities are like old paths mm -hmm. that they put asphalt on. And then now you drive on them, you come to a little portico in the wall, and it's like eight feet wide. And you're driving, and you're hoping you're not going to hit that side you're of your Watching both mirrors. And this yep. side, you might have to pull the mirrors in because your G GPS will send you to places that maybe aren't it, – it, it's the most direct way. But not the easiest way. And I found myself in Prusia last week going in circles and all over the place saying, I just got to get to my hotel. I think in a lot of those those towns, you know, the locals are good to drive in those uh, small towns. But if you're not a local, find an easy place to park and then start wandering. That's actually part of the fun of exploring. Yeah, it is. Is you get to see all the little shops and things like that. So, you know, it's one thing for the convenience of being able to drive. But I remember sitting on a piazza and watching who was driving through and it was the locals they knew what they were doing and they knew what to watch for so well the other nice thing i was in i was in italy in february in a place uh, like orviato um i actually drove down some areas that it told me to drive down but i knew they were pedestrian yeah. but the locals use them because that's how they get to their own home their homes yep. but i was driving through that and i had a blast because nobody was there in the winter and I could see all the shops, and I felt kind of spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a blast. You're so. not going to pull that off in the summer. <laughs> That's true. All right. Now I have a bonus. I, I've got this is the top 10 list for renting a car in Europe. But I've got a number 11 this time, which is a bonus. And this is just, just common sense. But don't drink and drive in Italy because the Italian laws have really low limits for tolerance for alcohol. And I think it's 0. 0.5 or something. 0. 0.05. Point, yeah. Point, and yeah. so uh, it, those two aren't going to mix very good, no. so I, I'd, I'd be very careful. Now, before we go, Paul, i got to tell people, here's a list of things to be aware of. But I don't want people to walk away from this podcast thinking I shouldn't rent a car. 
I think that's still the way to see Italy, don't no, you? No, it's a, it's a blast. You know, I think uh, getting out in the countryside, that's oh. where you get the culture. That's where you get to, you know, pull off into some remote area, meet the locals, find a quaint little restaurant or, or bar, have a glass of wine. Well, I think you explored quite a few um wineries yeah. um, that were local to the, the the villa that we've got over there. And so I think that's that's where you get to, to do the things that are off the beaten path. And that's where the memories come from. You know, I think that's what, uh, when I've got my team that we're going over there for a, a strategic meeting, that's what we want to go see. We don't yeah. want to go, I mean, we'll go spend a day and see the stuff that you have to see, the tourist sure. traps. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's getting the culture. That's yeah. that's really why I like to travel the world is to see the cultures, not, not experience the food necessarily, but the, the other aspects. <laughs> as, of the long as, as, as long as it's steak and potatoes. And yeah. So I have to tell you, when I was there last week, I found a, a restaurant in uh, in a small uh, walled city in Umbria, um, in a Citta de Castello, and there was this restaurant there, and uh, they presented me some beer, and it was Italian beer, okay. and I I it was called Coca Mia. And I looked it up online, and it was in Gubbio, made in Gubbio made right on there. a farm. So I got in my car, and I went there right afterwards. And I said, I'm going to find out where they make this. It's the best beer in the world. After that, I found it a little cheese place by Montone. Okay. Then I found two wineries that were right by there. Uh, and then I, f- I went to a chocolate factory. Uh, in uh, Perugia. Okay. And so I found all this stuff just with a vehicle. We're just out in the countryside. Just exploring. Just having a blast. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, please don't let this these 10 <laughs> things of caution about renting a car in Europe detour you from the fun of visiting Italy with a car. And I think that also goes back. We've touched on it on multiple times on podcasts is, the shoulder season and off season, oh. that, that just relieves all that stress yeah. compared to when I was there last summer in uh, peak season. You know, it, it's you get out there, you, you don't have the challenges with finding the parking spots. You don't you can get closer to what you want to see for those highlights. So, you know, again, you get great value with both what the, the rental cost is going to be, your hotels, your airfare, everything. And, and so consider that as you're looking at when and how you're going to do your trip and what your experience is going to be is, you know, save yourself some money, do it in the, the shoulder season or off season and get rid of that stress or minimize some of that stress. Well, I was there. The, the high every day was 50 mm-hmm. and the low was like 40. Okay. I mean, what better? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, put a little coat on and, and uh, have, a, have a great time. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week in the Weekly Travel Alert Podcast. I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. Please like, subscribe, share, and add any comments or questions that we could touch on in future episodes. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week.